Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. Jonathan Raggis, alongside me as always, Mike McShane. Mike, good evening. You got me, man. You got me. And you got me at my best hour, I got to tell you. This is kind of neat, Jonathan. This really is. I'm you not... have a best hour? Uh, I... <laughs> it's Geritol time. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 you got to do it before I could. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wanted to beat you to the punch. No, uh, seriously, this is a lot of fun. This is uh, uh, kind of neat, a little bit different. We're coming at, uh, you know, for the evening hour on Friday. Uh, I kind of dig it. Yeah, no, I'm a lot more alert. I do. Uh, you know what? I think we may have to go to a later hour throughout the summer on Fridays. I think it might be a neat idea. I throw it out to the uh, listeners. Would you prefer to uh, hear us? <laughs> Maybe they prefer not to hear us at all. <laughs> well, we got our very good friend uh, and, and, and also our co-host as well for Fan Junkies Radio, uh, Jim Williams in the room, saying uh, Mike McShane has his Geritol bottle spiked by Jonathan Raggis. <laughs> uh, we spike it with a little Jim Beam. Uh, that would be about appropriate. Yes, it would be. It would be. Uh, well, but no, this is this is kind of neat. So I throw it out to the uh, listeners. Uh, uh, I wouldn't mind doing uh, a one evening a week during summertime, say a Friday night uh, at, at at a seven p.m. time. I think that's kind of neat. No lives, Mike. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> I have an excuse, dude. No, you don't. No, you don't. All right, well, listen, it's a special hour here at Fan Junkies Radio. Why? Because it is 7 o'clock. We normally do our show at 12 noon, uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, but we decided to do it at a later hour today. Why? Because, yeah, I had errands to run, of course. That usually seems <laughs> what happens. I people have to take vacations, which I haven't taken a vacation in a very long time. So I appreciate you falling on your own sword there. That was t- tremendous before I could get to it. You know. hey, listen, you fell on a Geritol sword, i got to fall on my own sword. So, <laughs> But... Before we do anything, here is the colon number for tonight. It is 347-237-5373. Colon, it's Freestyle Friday right now. Freestyle, I love it. Wing it. Yep. We are going to wing it. But before we do anything, Mike, tonight in sports. Tonight in sports. Yes, we will do our tonight in sports. Uh, and you've got a special one that you're going to follow up with, yes. one that's near and near to your heart. So I'll let you, uh, I'll let you follow up me on this one. 1964. Let's go to 1964. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals traded Ernest Broglio for Chicago Cub Lou Brock. Nice. Did you save the newspaper clippings that day? I no, I did not. Uh, they got lost in the flood. <laughs> in the Great Flood. <laughs> You know, the one with the arc. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because I was sitting here before, and uh, my uh, 10-year-old nephew goes, so who's on the show with you tonight? And I said, I have Moses on with me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, no joke. All right, but my yeah, tonight back sports. Back oh, you mean Mike. Yes, yeah, exactly. I should have him on with me three times a week. <laughs> <laughs> but my tonight in sports, Mike, 19 years ago, today, the New York Rangers won the Stanley Cup. There you go. For all you Rangers crybabies. No, fans out there. There you go. 
Listen, what's going on? Ilya Rizgalov? Is he being bought out or what? That's what it sounds like, dude. Wow. Yeah, you think about that. Do you agree with that? No, I don't. You don't? Mm-mm. Are you hoping they bring back Hextall? No. Uh, <laughs> Bernie, man. I heard Bernie today on the radio. You heard about Brian Boucher? Is he coming back I or what? Per- I want Bernie Perron. If, if, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jonathan. You would know better than I would. Um, why why not just amnesty the guy? Then we don't have to pay anything, right? I wonder. Did they use their amnesty at all yet? I know you get I two. I don't believe so, no. You, and, so, and, I wonder if they're going to use one on, Briz- on uh, Briere? They get two. Don't they get yes, two? Yes, they do. I think if they don't use one by this summer, I think they, they have they to use a connection, then it expires, right? They lose it, correct. So hmm. uh, uh, why would you consider buying out the contract when you can amnesty? Well, considering he has, what, like Eight. six years left oh, on it? Uh, no, uh, seven, I believe, right? It was a nine-year contract? Yeah, nine, yeah. Uh, 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 uh. What about Barrier? I think it's seven. Well, I don't think, uh, no, I don't, uh, there, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never heard word that there was ever any consideration about amnestying Briere. Why not? They, there, was talk, there was talk near the end of the season that they were, they were I mean, there was rumors of it. That there was no real serious talk. There were rumors that they might have actually put him on the trading block. Who, Briere? Yeah, I tried to move What's Briere? Huh? Nobody wants Briere. Mm, well, maybe near the end of the season they could have done something. I don't know. Nah, nobody wants Briere. But. Me, um, nobody wants Briere. Well, um, I, I, I think Scott Gomez back in the deal before I take Briere. I don't, wow. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> I yeah, but I I don't think Briere's not a financial drain to that. Oh, you know what? Let's go to our good friends over at CapGeek.com. Okay. One of my most favorite sites, Mr. McShane. I'll have to and we're gonna find the cap numbers for your Philadelphia Flyers. You were expecting to uh, talk hockey this quick, were you? I I I think we're in good shape. I think we're in good shape. I think the biggest problem is is uh, Brisgall. Let's see. Well, Briz got well. Briere, you got signed to 2014-15. So next season and this season, he makes 6.5 million. Okay. So that's 13 millions over the next two seasons, where he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Briz forget about it. Briz is signed at 5.6 from now until uh, 2020. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, you know, why wouldn't you see? I don't understand buying out the contract. Why wouldn't you just? Why wouldn't you just amnesty that one? Yeah. Well, that, see, I mean, look. You, all right, let, let's just say it came down between the two. Let's say it came down between Briere and that one. I mean, you would have. It's yeah, a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. I mean, his contract is just ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Well, everybody, listen. Everybody in Philadelphia knew it was ridiculous right from get-go, and we hadn't even seen the guy play for one second. Yeah. <laughs> when did he play? This was was uh, last year his first season. Second. Second. So this this was the second season this season, right? Correct. Correct. Okay, so he made ten million dollars last season. Mm-hmm. Six point five this season. Right. Two thousand thirty. Oh no, excuse me. Uh, no, wait, yeah, no, actually, no. Shoot. Next season he makes eight million, followed by two years of six million, two years of five point five million. In two thousand eighteen nineteen, he makes um, two thousand. Uh, excuse me, two point two million, and then the fi- next season. One point two million, but his cap hit each year is five point six million. Somebody's got to be questioning whether Ed Snyder is is is, is senile. Why in God's name would anybody sign a contract? I don't give a damn what kind of a goaltender you are. Now here's what I'm going to talk about with you real quick before anything else because we're freestyling tonight. This is, we really is everybody taking taking sense of that? Yeah, really. Now <laughs> I I had a conversation with you a couple of nights ago. Yeah. Uh-huh. When they got the rights to Mark Strike. 
Right, right. I didn't like that move. You know, de- defense is one of your biggest holes, but yet you're going to bring in a defense, you know, a defenseman that even the Islanders really didn't want anymore. There's only one There's only one thing, Jonathan, about that move I really don't like, yeah. and that's his age. He's 35. That's what I am saying. So now you've got Holmgren and Snyder looking at buying out Brisgallo that $5.6 million a season until 2020, and yet they're going to lose their amnesty. Well, they're not going to – first of all, if they buy that contract out, it's going to be a negotiated buyout. I don't think you're going to be looking at the kinds of numbers, perhaps, that you're throwing around there. I think it's going to be probably more. I think it's going to be less than, than what they would do on an amnesty. I can't imagine. Well, that's my point. Why don't they just amnesty the guy? I think Briz Golub's going to sit there and say, you know, oh yeah, I'll take less money if you buy me out. I don't think that's going to happen. Briz Golub doesn't even want to freaking be here. No. Let me and tell you. And believe it or not, somebody is going to pick him up. You know what? And it and it has to be a low market team, like Phoenix again. But it won't matter. Them. But it won't matter, Jonathan, no. because look at all the cash he's going to get on the way out the door. So he can go anywhere he wants. Exactly. Huh. I wonder so, if he'll go to, uh, to uh, New Jersey and take over for Bradour. You know something? That'd be funny. It, it, actually, it would be considering that they're you know they're rivals. Not even that, with the uh, media circus that's going to be surrounding the Islanders, because, of course, they're going to Brooklyn. You wonder if the Islanders would end up picking them up. That's another possibility. Uh, but let, no, but let me ask you this. Between the strike and if they buy him out and it would cost them more than using the amnesty, Mike, when will Flyers fans start to point fingers at Paul Holmgren? Because this guy seems to always get a free pass. Flyers fans have been pointing the finger at Paul Holmgren now for the better part of a good 18 months, to be perfectly honest. I'll tell you the guy that's Teflon, and that's Snyder. Nobody ever Snyder points a finger at that all. Yeah, nobody ever points a finger at Snyder. I mean, we we weren't we didn't hesitate to point a finger at Bobby Clark back when he was holding that GM job. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, make no mistake. Paul Holmgren does get a finger pointed at him. It, the, the fact is that Flyers fans are but not as any other GM does. No, you're right. You're right. But Flyers fans are incredibly forgiving sorts, and they are a very, very unique breed here in Philadelphia. Well, we know that already. You, well, no, look, look, I mean, take every other team. You can go to the Phils. You can go to the Eagles. And that fan base will be up on their butt so fast for every little whip-stitchy thing that they do that the fan base thinks is wrong. And yet Flyers fans can go 38 years without a Stanley Cup, and we're copacetic. <laughs> All Rangers fans went 54 years without one, but they were pretty much dead at the time. So, so you know, one of the things I'll tell you, one of the things I like about Strike, here's the thing, one of the things, and listen, you might dispute me, uh, which is fine. I, I question his acquisition, as you did, uh, but one of the things I like about him is he is a former C, okay? He wore that C up there. And you know something? That's something that this Flyers team needs. They need some leadership. God knows, I don't know what the hell happened to Giroux this year, but he certainly didn't provide it. Nah, nah, Giroux was just—I don't—I don't, I don't know what was up with Giroux. And see, here's the problem. I heard a great interview today, albeit it was—it was, it was a dated interview. It went back a couple of years ago, where Bernie Perrant was talking about—you uh, know—you give the guy the C and then you rip it off his chest if you take it away from him. Yeah. If you go and take the, that that C away from a guy, let's just say for a moment that—and it wouldn't—I I wouldn't put it past Lobulette to walk in. You know, at the beginning of a training camp, and say, "Hey, Claude, guess what, buddy? You're gonna have to fight your way for that one this preseason." Yeah. And he takes it away from him. Boy, oh boy, that's a tough one to deal with inside the locker room. Suddenly, you got a guy who's been demoted from being the captain. 
So now, it might be that they're looking at Street as being kind of a uh, uh, a surrogate captain. Yeah. I think I think you could probably definitely expect to see. Well, maybe not maybe not this year immediately, but at some point you might see an A on his uh, jersey. Yeah. Now let me ask you. You need a guy that's full of fire that could, you know, really ignite his teammates. And this season, I watched a lot of Flyers hockey. I always do because I am such a devout Rangers fan that I want to see what's going on with the teams and their, and their rivals, you know. The guy I saw on the, on the ice this year that was, like, really speaking up and really doing a lot was Wayne Simmons. I agree with you. Now, if they were to rip it off and the C would be slapped onto Wayne Simmons, how do you think Flyers fans would feel about that? Uh, I, I, I don't think that's going to fly too well with Flyers fans, and I'll tell you why. Claude Giroux is kind of, for Flyers fans, he's kind of the Chase Utley yeah. of, of Flyers fans. Uh, Flyers fans really, really like Claude Giroux. Well, uh, who would it? Claude Giroux is a phenomenal player. I love watching him play. This is a guy I would kill to have on the Rangers, no question about it. He had a terrible year, but he's most he's, he's going to bounce back, no doubt about it. I agree with you. Yeah. But he's young I don't know, still. I don't know if he's a leader. No, but see, but that's the thing I said about Yager when they gave Yager the C. I did not like Yager as a captain. The best thing the Rangers did when they had the C on Yager was bring in Brendan Shanahan because every time that whistle blew, Yager would skate to the bench, Shanahan would go over and speak to the refs about stuff. Mm-hmm. you got to have a guy that's vocal. Mm-hmm. This is why I like Orion Callahan, and I think right. he's a perfect captain for a hockey team. Right. That's what you need, and I think you know a guy like Wayne Simmons could do that for you. The Flyers have had some very, very, very good captains over their past four decades that I've been following them. Very good captains. Uh, The years, though, however, when you take a look at it, that they didn't, those were years they didn't play well. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Did the C get put on Giroud just because he is a fan favorite and one of the best players on the ice? I believe so, and I believe that, um, you know, in in the vacuum of Pronger, they weren't quite sure where to go. And as you looked around the locker room, you're thinking to yourself, okay, who's really the most deserving? Who should it go to? And I think it was, uh, I think it was a decision that was made out of, um, uh, what's the word I want? Um, convenience? Well, considering that Pronger was not going to be there? Well, you know, they went for the was long Was that just really throwing it on just to keep the fans happy? If you remember, I mean, when Pronger went down, he went down in November. And they never named a captain for the whole season. No. It wasn't until the beginning of this past season that I think that they finally had their hand forced. That they said, you know, we got to make a, we got to, we, we kind of got to name somebody. Yeah. We can't just keep sitting around thinking Pronger's going to come back. Yeah. Uh, but they purposely would not uh, go and take the C off of Pronger. Um, I think, despite the fact a lot of people knew even way back before Christmas of last season that he probably wasn't going to be coming back. Yeah. Well, we have a an entire off season coming up after uh, this Stanley Cup Finals, Mike, to talk a lot about not only the Flyers but every other NHL team. Wow, so we we'll just be... went we just went on like fifteen minutes completely off off the rails. We're not following a script at all tonight, folks. Friday night, baby. That's the way it works. Three four get... seven two three seven five three seven three. Jump in on this. Uh, I I don't know what you want to call it. Freestyle Friday. Freestyle Friday. Freestyle Friday. We're freestyling tonight. All right, man, let's go into NBA. Let's get back on track here a little bit. Yeah. Uh, big game. What was it? Last night was the Last game? Last night, my friend, yes. Last night was the game. Uh, Heat won, yep. as we all know. I'm trying to get the score. For some reason, the score isn't popping up for me. 
109 to 93. Yeah, 109-93. Uh, LeBron James had 33 points. Uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I sat and I watched the game. And, you know, here's the thing. I think everybody went into that game, uh, myself included. Uh, we kind of talked about it even uh, pregame uh, on five minutes at the Pratt House when we were shooting uh, the production last evening. Both sidekick and I said, uh, you kind of got to think the Heat are going to come back in game four and win this. Uh, they, they haven't lost two games in a row since when, Jonathan? January? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So you but, had to kind of think that they were going to come back in this game. Um, you know, people are talking about it like it was a beatdown. I don't really think that 109-93 was a beatdown. And, in fact, the score didn't get really out of control until the fourth quarter. Yeah. But now, if you look at it, there was something the Spurs did that really helped the Heat win this game. And it's something the Spurs never, ever do, and you won't see them do it again in this playoff series, Mike. Okay. That's 18 turnovers. Yeah, they sure did. They are one of the best ball-handling teams in the NBA. Yep. And you had 18 turnovers. That's a no-no. Yeah. That is a no-no, and that is something that you won't see them do again, Mike. I guarantee it. You will not see 18 turnovers from this team again. Right. I, I, I agree with you. You know, as I was watching the game, and of course... You know, well, I think you have a very, very good sense of what it's like here on Thursday nights. Yes. I've got the game on. I'm doing other things, but I'm, you know, I'm frequently turning my head around and watching what's going on over on the screen. And man alive, you're absolutely right. As I sat here doing other stuff, I'm thinking, wow, I'm seeing an awful lot of turnovers. And, you know, really, when it comes right down to it, that's what you saw uh, in game three that Miami was doing. Yeah. They were turning the ball over a lot. So, uh, yeah, turnovers. And the other thing, too, was, as I pointed out to you pre-show, the Heat game, it was the Dwayne Wade show. It was. Dwayne Wade was looking good last night, Mike. And as we both said, we're not going to see him do that again. He's not going to score 30 points again. again. Yeah, I'm going to tell you. You you were going to expect that there was going to be one game that he was going to break out, and that was going to be the game. That was going to be it because I really think Wade – I just think the guy is out of gas. I just yeah. can't say it enough. And I think we saw the best. And so you're saying there's two things that we won't see again. You're not going to see San Antonio turn it over again the way that they did in game four. And I don't think you're going to see another game from Wade the way that you saw last night. And also you're not going to see Tiago Splitter play shoddy defense like Chris Bosh. Because Chris Bosh looked a little bit like the Chris Bosh of old last night. And that was strictly because of Splitter's defense. And so now we got Game 5 coming in when? Is it going to be on Saturday? It is going to be, Mike. You ready? Can I get the ball? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, not even Saturday. It's going to be Sunday. Okay, it's going to be Sunday. Yeah, I had a feeling it might be because I think Saturday is the next hockey game. Yeah, Sunday, 8 o'clock on ABC. So, uh, right now, early line on that, uh, believe it or not, when the line opened up this morning out of Vegas, it was a pick and the last I heard, it is uh, it, the money line has moved in favor of, uh, of um, uh, the Heat. So now the Heat. Oh no! Yeah, the Heat are a favorite in Game Five. Now, you know, I think that Game Four obviously was the 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 critical game. Yes. Had San Antonio won that, this series is over. Uh. My well, no, San Antonio needs to get that Game 5 win. Well, I they think can't they, let Miami no, no, get the leverage. What, no, I understand what you're yeah. saying. But I think Game 4 
last night's game was the critical one. Yeah. Because had San Antonio won that game, this series is over. Yeah. San Antonio is going to win it. But with Miami now winning it, that kind of changes the entire complexion of the whole thing. Yeah. Well, you know, we knew Miami would possibly take a game in San Antonio. We know San Antonio could absolutely take a game in Miami from what we saw in game one. Can they do it twice? Can they do it twice, though? And I'm sorry, but yeah, the San Antonio Spurs can do it, I think. Mm-hmm. So, we'll find out what happens. Anyway, Mike, Chris Paul and one of our favorites here at Jokies Radio, Dwight Howard, they want to team up. <laughs> they're talking. Supposedly, they're talking. Um, you know that great insider, Chris Broussard, hashtag sarcasm. Uh, through our sources, say CP3 and D12 hope to team up next season. I've been texting back and forth to figure it up, figure out story up soon. Yeah. Um, I have a message for Chris Paul. Dwight Howard isn't a good teammate. <laughs> You're not going to win with Dwight Howard. Uh, I was just, but it's uh, true. I was just going to say, I mean, you know, uh, if I'm going into business, I'll tell you right now, if I'm Chris Paul, there's no way I'm taking Dwight Howard as a partner. But not even that. Look at it. One of the places he wants to go is either Dallas or Houston. Okay. Most likely Dallas because they have the cap room to possibly get both Chris Paul and Dwight Howard. I would agree. It's not happening down in Houston. After all the money they're going to be spending on James Harden and after that ridiculous deal they gave Jeremy Lin. It's not happening down in Houston. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think that Mark Cuban would take both Dwight Howard and Chris Paul. I actually don't think Mark Cuban would take Dwight Howard, period. Wow. Um, okay, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm prepared to get inside Mark Cuban's head. I'm not sure. I love if- getting inside Mark Cuban's head, man, because he <laughs> and Mark Cuban were like this. <laughs> Best of friends. No. I, I, I'm not sure if I agree with you on that, Jonathan. I, I mean, and, and that's what I'm saying. We're we're kind of sitting here trying to second guess what Mark. In the end, I guarantee you, Chris Paul and Dwight Howard will not be teammates. Well, I would agree with that. Dwight Howard will either be in Houston or Atlanta. Hmm. Chris Paul, he wants to be a Nick. I think Glenn Grunwald is going to try his hardest to see if he can figure it out. Getting Chris Paul to the Knicks, if he doesn't get Chris Paul to the Knicks, he's going to sign somewhere where you're going to see a big surprise. Mark the tape, folks. He just said it. Yep. You said either Houston or Atlanta. For Dwight Howard, correct. Okay. All right. Now, with Chris Paul, I don't know where he's going to sign, but I think it's going to be a team where it's going to kind of throw a curveball at you, Mike. You think? Okay. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, trying to look at some of the teams right now, trying to figure out what teams out in the East he could sign with. And right away, I mean, if I was Philadelphia, I'd throw whatever he wanted at Chris Paul. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. You bring in Chris Paul, man, you build that team around Chris Paul. He ain't Andrew Bynum. He's not coming in damaged goods. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Uh you know what, man? Out in the West, I can't really see him signing with most teams out West because most of those teams are pretty set up with, with, with point guard. All right. The, the, the last time we heard about this sort of thing happening, obviously, was, what, uh, three and a half seasons ago uh, with the Bosch and the uh, LeBron move. Well, no, because they had that setting thing where uh, Carmelo and, you know, Chris Paul were together and he wanted to come and play Oh, with yeah, 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 right, right. All right, we're going to be next. I honestly believe – 
the number one destination Chris Paul wants to be in, he wants to be in New York. Mm-hmm. He wants that limelight. He wants that spotlight. And let me tell you, Chris Paul can handle it. And if the Glenn Gronwald kid ship off a Steve Novak and possibly Amari Stoudemire not take any kind of significant contract back, they could do it. Okay, well, let me ask you a question now. Um, do you give any credence to this article, this this story at all? No. Or do you think it's BS? No. I'm sure they probably have spoken, but they can speak all they want. I don't think Dwight Howard has the clout that LeBron James does. LeBron, Listen, Dwight Howard does not have the clout that LeBron and Carmelo have. You're right, exactly. No way possible. Plus, dude, you're a free agent. You ain't getting traded there. Mm, right. Chris Paul, he's got clout. He's the best point guard in the league, Chris Paul. No doubt about it. Where he wants to go, if he says, hey, listen, I want to go to Milwaukee, Milwaukee's going to end up with Chris Paul. Okay. If I want to go to the 76ers, Sixers better try to figure out a way to get Chris Paul. You know, because if he, if that's the if the best point guard in the game wants to be with you, you got to figure out a way to do it. Ain't nobody wants to be with the Sixers. <laughs> listen. You, you never know, man. Listen, I, I, I didn't think guys like Melo and Amari would be with the Knicks, man. I, I really didn't. You know, I didn't think those guys would come and then make it a hot spot where a lot of other players wanted to come like Chris Paul. So, right, right, right. You know, it's uh, – listen, Philadelphia, man, that's a team where if they start winning, man, we saw it when they were going into the finals with AI and everything. The spotlight shines in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a big market city. So we, we, we We've got some work to do here, though, before all that happens. You do. But – it's going to take getting rid of some of the plays you got already. Uh, yeah. You know. There, but uh, it, it's an interesting Sixers that I would keep. Uh, you know, uh, this goes to, you know, whether whether there's any, whether you give this story any credibility or not, it goes to a deeper issue, and that is these guys uh, prefabricating and rearranging and arranging their own movement. Uh, it's kind of taking free agency to a whole new level, doesn't it now? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, I, well, the athlete—it's whatever the athlete wants now. The tail is wagging the dog, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And uh, you know, it goes to everything that I've talked about that I really, really despise about professional basketball, and that is the egotism, the narcissism that runs through it—the me-centered concept of the sport. I, I, I despise it's almost all the leagues now, Mike. Uh, but come on, Jonathan, it's no more apparent than in, than in the NBA. No, of course not, but it's in all the leagues now. It just comes out more in basketball because now all of a sudden these guys are talking amongst each other and they all want to team up and go to the same team together. Yeah. We never saw that before. The first time we ever seen that was the whole LeBron Bosch to my aunt crap. Right. And I'm sorry, but that was pure crap, especially the whole LeBron special. Oh, gosh. That's right. Barris basketball in my eyes, and that took him to a whole new level, and it wasn't a good level to go to. Yeah, well, you know, that, but that, I, I think that's the bigger the bigger issue. You know, we're hearing about this kind of thing more and more and more, where these free agents are creating their own alliances to dictate to the league and to the teams that they want to go to how it's going to be. I say to all of them, the hell with you. Yeah. You know, nothing pees me more when I see an athlete sign a, a ridiculous contract and they don't want to honor their contract. Oh, I know. You're Darrell Revis, plain and simple. On that a number, right? Make an example. Right? Yeah. 
Got to see that way too many times with him in the Jets. Uh, we've talked about it numerous, numerous times. You signed your deal. Turn it around and say, hey, guys, I want a contract extension because I want to stay with you is one thing. I've never understood the whole concept, and I hear sports talk uh, hosts go on about it all the time. Oh, the guy's in the last year of his contract. He should be given an extension. Why? Let's see what he does in his last year, for God's sake. Yeah. Listen, there are, there are exceptions, Mike. Yes, I understand. But Chris Paul is an exception. If he wants a contract extension, he's the best point guard in the league, and he's proven that. You give him a contract extension because, guess what? You don't want to lose him, and he doesn't want to lose you. If he wants to sign that extension and stay with you, that's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's a guy that has no clout, like, let's say, a Victor Cruz of the Giants. Right. A perfect example. You know, listen, Victor Cruz is a great wide receiver. Love him. But he's not a perfect wide receiver. He has yet to prove that. Let him sign his RFA tender. Let's see what he does this year. And then, you know what? If he's worth the money he wants, then you give it to him. Perfect example. Perfect example. Yep. I mean, we all know Darrell Rivas is the best cornerback in football, Mike, but he's also a question mark Mm -hmm. because of his knee injuries. Well, and Dwight Howard is a big question mark. Yeah. Oh, Dwight Howard's probably the biggest question mark in, in sports. I mean, everywhere the everywhere the the guy goes, he's, he's he's bitching and moaning. Yeah. Now you know what? Let me ask you this, Mike. Perfect way to get Chris Paul to the to the 76ers. You want to hear this? You want you want to hear me out? Okay. Yeah. Well, you're listening. Sign Go play general manager. Sign and trade. You bring Chris Paul to Philadelphia, and you can get rid of other players like a Drew Holiday. I'd be okay with it. You know what? You, you Drew Holiday. Maybe Nick Young, maybe even Daddyish Young. Put them all in a package. Time to start over. Can I be honest with you? I have said for the longest time, and I, I don't understand the holiday love in in this city, Drew Holiday. Uh, I would, I would, I wouldn't think twice about moving him. I think he's overrated, personally. To me, he's very inconsistent. Well, okay, all right. That's another way of saying it. Now let's go to another fact because Nuggets forward Andre Iguodala is opting out of his contract to enter free agency. Now, this is a player I love, Mike, and you know that. We've spoken about Andre Iguodala many times before. Yes. I love Iguodala, but I think what Philly did messed him up. They gave him the superstar title, which he's not a superstar. He's a role player, and we saw what he can do in Denver. Is that the same thing now that Philly's doing to Drew Holiday? Uh, uh, well, wow, boy, boy, wow, great question. Ooh, you put me on the hot seat. That's a good question. Um, well, here's here's the thing about let, let me go back to your question with regard to Iguodala. Um, yeah, you, you know, we, you and I have talked about this, and you're absolutely right. He was placed into a position that really he was uncomfortable with, and it really wasn't his position to be had. Yeah. But somehow or another, Jonathan, the message never got through to the management of the Sixers. I don't know if it's Iguodala's fault. Because he didn't make it clear enough to them that, hey, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, please do not put me in this spot. Yeah. You know, somewhere along the line, the communication didn't come through. And I got to think that in some respects, Iguodala didn't make it clear to them that, guys, I want you to know you got the wrong guy here. I'm willing to stick with this team. I'll be a part of it. But guess what? I can't be the leader of this team. Yeah. Um. I like Iguodala. I am. I was a little surprised by the fact he's opting out on his contract with Nuggets, but we'll talk about that in a second. It, do I think that they're doing the same thing now with Holiday? No, I don't. Okay. I have no reason to think that. 
And the reason I don't have any reason to think that is because we haven't heard Holiday complaining about it. Well, of course not. And there we go again. Yeah, he's making a buku bus right now. I, I know, on top of which, I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't think that the Sixers are making Holiday the uh, the, uh, the the center of it all. Well, I know, because Bynum was. But in reality, the people who actually stepped on the court and played this year, it was all on Drew Holiday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, the Philadelphia Sixers, all they are is a team of role players. Now, okay, but all right, we we got to step back from the Philadelphia 76ers and almost take them out of the equation. In some oh, yeah, absolutely. Because we're under new leadership now. We don't even know what the hell is going to happen at this point. So we got to sign Andrew Bynum to a 10-year extension. Oh, dude. <laughs> Uh, are you kidding me, dude? Are you kidding me? I think I'd have to. I think I'd have to come on the air and shoot myself right in the head, right on the air. Seriously, no, a politician. <laughs> but you, you, you have to kind of take that out of the equation. I mean, it's way too early to even have conversations about what Philadelphia plans on doing or not doing, because we don't know. We got this new general manager, who personally I'm thrilled with. I like I like the whole concept of of statistical uh, saver metrics guys coming in and. Take a look at things. I, I'm all with it. I'm right down with them. Uh, but we don't know yet what's going to happen with the team. So I don't know. I re- I don't think they're doing the same thing. Look, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what they did to Iguodala. I don't know if it screwed him up. I don't know if I can go that far. No, well, well I'm saying it screwed him up in Philadelphia. Oh, there it is. Because you yeah. saw the role he played with Denver, and I thought he played the perfect Yes. Role-playing role for, for for Denver. You're right. There it didn't. I'll tell you why. Because the fan expectation was much greater than what Iguodala could give us. Absolutely. And that's what screwed him up. And he's a very good player. I agree with you. What you saw uh, that he did in Denver was phenomenal this year. Yeah. And I'm a big Andre Iguodala fan, and I would watch Sixers games just to watch him because, honestly, there was nobody else there to watch. Okay, now tell me, because you and I talked about this pre-show. Tell me. I was shocked by the fact he's opting out on his on his uh, Denver Nuggets contract. You weren't. Why? I think he wants to go somewhere where he's going to have a chance to win. And he doesn't. You don't. It's not Denver. Really? It's not Denver. Denver is not winning an NBA Finals anytime soon, especially with George Carl gone now. Okay, so wait a minute. You're saying he wants to win? He wants to win it all. Oh yeah. Okay, because I mean that that that, that team that team was in the playoffs. Yeah, no, he wants to win it all. Either that or he didn't like being in Denver. Which, if he didn't like being in Denver and he has the option to opt out, you can't fault him for that. He played pretty damn well for not being happy. Uh, I mean, he did, but then again, he likes the game of basketball. You know? This is a guy, I mean, I mean and you know right away, Mike, you're a big 76ers fan. This guy's not an SOB. No, he's not. He's a pretty no, good not. guy. You know, and I'm going to tell you, for all the fans out there that were – that were bitching and moaning for two, three seasons before to get rid of this, 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 this. Uh, you know, I heard all kinds of names being thrown at the guy. You know, on talk radio. He stayed classy. I'm going to tell you something. They were all begging to have him back after the season that we just went through with a piece of garbage that we had sitting on the roster. Let me tell you, if you had Iguodala and Nikola Vucevic back on this team, you had a pretty good shot at making a, you know, in in, in that eighth spot of the playoffs. Well, would have been there. Because it was so mediocre on the tail end of that Eastern Conference. That's exactly where we were the year before. And everybody thought, okay, well, this is going to take us to the next level. That's what it was. Yeah. And, Mike, as the trade was made, we got taped to back it up. I said, 
Worst move the Philadelphia 76ers could make. Yeah, you did say it. Now, I, I said... I said the guy was... Da- you know, it's funny when Dr. J said that, you know, he was damaged goods. That's yeah. exactly what I said. Yeah, and, and, and I said I would reserve judgment on it, that I didn't really know. And I said That he was- I was a little bit apprehensive about it, yeah. but that I felt that it was probably the best move. Well, right. well, we'll find out a little bit on Andre Iguodala, and if they can't get Chris Paul the next... I kind of hope they sign Iguodala. I'd love to see Where him. Where do you think Iguodala ends up? Oh, man, I hope the Knicks, dude. Really? I hope the Knicks, man. I want him on the Knicks. That's the role-playing small forward that this Knicks team needs. All right, you want him off the bench? No, I'd start him. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I'd start him at small forward, man. If you know, if they continue to keep playing mellow at power forward, why not put Andrew Iguodala small forward? He can help you get rebounds. He can play some defense. He can take some pressure off the ball. I'd take Iguodala in a second, man, if the price is right. Fifteen point nine million owed to him next season. Yeah, what Iguodala was that big amount of money? You know, there's something going on. Yeah, man. All right, real quick, we got twenty right. minutes left. There's still a lot of things to get into, so let's talk about this quick. Eric Spolstra, Greg Popovich, they had some comments they're making about the changing of coaches in the league the last couple of days, Michael. We've seen a lot of it, a lot of it. Um, Eric Spolstra said straight up, "I think it's a terrible state for the profession right now." For true success in the NBA, you must have a consistency of culture. When you see that type of turnover over and over and over again, it's impossible to create any kind of sustainable culture, and we don't see it as a coincidence. We see it differently, end quote. Mike, what did you think of those comments? Okay, his comment, let, let, let break it down. Thanks, Eric. We appreciate you bringing us the obvious. Yeah. Because for God's sake, if you did it, 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 it you could take his comments and apply them to any sport, any team, anywhere. Absolutely. Okay? It could be baseball, hockey. It makes no, never mind. Um, Yes, you and I have talked about it. We think that a lot of it, you know, there's an awful lot of knee-jerking that's going on. I don't know why, for some reason or another, it appears to be going on in the NBA right now more than other sports. That is a question mark. And why are we seeing it happening, as we pointed out, Jonathan? Why is it happening with teams that had winning records and went to the playoffs? That I don't get. Yeah. Well, George Carl. Yes. Yes. Doc Rivers. I mean, he's going to be going, but that's going to be in his own power. Right. Right. You know, Vinny Del Negro out in, in, in Los Angeles. So, I mean, Spolster needs to take his obvious comments here a step for, uh, further. All right. Now, buddy, you're in the, you're, you're in the uh, club. All right. You're in the inside circle there, and you're going to make a comment like this. All right, now here's where I go with it if I'm a journalist. Yeah. I'm going to follow it up with one more question. All right, Eric, why? Why is it happening? I don't see a why. Well, All he's doing is giving an opinion on, oh, how the turnover situation creates a, a culture of in- inconsistency. Oh, no, no crap. Seriously? Yeah. Well, if he ends up losing his job, Mike, at least he'll have his fake championship ring, all of Phil Jackson. So. Well, I, you know, look, look, as I pointed out pre-show, there's only one reason that we're quoting Eric Spolster. Because he's worried. He's overrated. Oh, yeah. That guy's the most overrated person. I, I think anybody could have coached that team to a championship that year. Absolutely. Anybody. Absolutely. I think I could have. Hey, LeBron, you know what? Do what you got to do. Take 50 shots. Great I, coaching, Eric. Great coaching. What was Spolster's comment here? I just wanted to see real quick. Well, that was Spolster's comment. 
Diarrhea. Or not Spolstra, Popovich's. Popovich, but the change, change, change thing doesn't really work, and you can see that in a lot of organizations. When things don't happen quickly, I think some owners become frustrated. Some even take it personally, almost a little bit of an embarrassment because they've been so successful in their own way and have a hard time understanding the business. Okay, now once again, once again, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, am I showing my bias here? At least Popovich is giving us a reason why. Yeah, Popovich ain't worried because he ain't going nowhere. Exactly. Popovich is not going anywhere. He's going to retire when you know from the Spurs when he wants to retire. He at least gave a reason for why. He says when things don't happen quickly, I think owners become frustrated. Let me ask you, is him and uh, George Carl the only ones that like stuck with a team for a decent amount of time? Well, you'd know better than I am. I, I, I'm, trying to think, I'm trying to think. Um, I can't think of anybody else that has been with their team for that long. Yeah. Well, Popovich has been there, uh, what? I think since 99, I think. I was going to say, has it been, I thought I heard like 15 years. Yeah, he's been there for a long time. And I remember when they hired him, I was like, why are they hiring him for? He was actually hired in 1996, Mike. Well, uh, dude, he's going through some really wicked, horrible years. Yep, four NBA championships. Yep. And hopefully they can add a fifth one. Great coach, man. I, I love Popovich. Great coach. NHL, Mike, you ready? Oh, yes. Yes, sir. Wednesday was the game. We were on uh, three overtimes. Blackhawks won 4-2-3. It was a hell of a game. Well, I won't even ask you because I know that you you probably went nighty-night, but I sat and I watched the whole darn thing. Yeah. Holy smokes. What an exciting, but exciting game. But it's the eye test. Go ahead. The Bruins were the more physical team. Again, yes, they were. They just couldn't get that last goal. Yes, they were. I'll tell you. Though, not the, that last goal. The goaltending. On both sides was absolutely phenomenal. Yes, Crawford, uh, Corey Crawford and uh, Tuka Rask were just amazing. Tuka Rask, man, I tell you, man, that guy is like a machine. There were 110 saves between the two goaltenders in this game. 51 saves for Crawford, 59 saves for Tuka Rask. Amazing. What an amazing performance by both of them. Amazing. That's what the difference in the game was. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I would agree with you, uh, while Chicago prevailed, make no mistake, folks, I just used the word, they prevailed. Yeah. I really think Boston should have won it. Yeah. Because, as you point out, Jonathan, that physical game, and they took it to them all night long. But they got to win one in Chicago, and they play Saturday night at 8 p.m. on NBC Sports Network. That's the thing. You have to take one when you're away. You have to. It's the playoffs. There's time for that. You know, the NHL doesn't operate the way the NBA does. They're not working on the 2-3-2 two, two format. They're going 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. So there is time for it. Uh, I wouldn't sweat it just yet. Here's the beauty, uh, as I've pointed out. And this is what I love about it so much. And maybe it goes back to that romanticized uh, aspect of myself when it comes to sports. We've got two teams who were part of the original six, playing for the first time, as you pointed out, Jonathan, since 1979. This series is looking like it's going to live up to all the hype and history. It's 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 already it's already a good one, Mike. One game in, Chicago Blackhawks lead one nothing. Game game two Saturday night eight o'clock. Yep, it's going to be a good one. Let's look at the MLB standings here real quick, Mike. AL East Boston still up there with a two and a half game lead over Baltimore. AL Central Detroit with a four and a half game lead over the Cleveland Indians. Look at those Indians, two and eight in their last ten. Yes, they were starting hot, but look at the Kansas City Royals, man. They're only five games out, eight and two in their last ten. They're starting to play some good, good baseball again down in Kansas City. Come on, City. Casey. Come on, Casey. That's right. 
AOL West, Oakland with a two-game lead over the Texas Rangers, Mike. Can you imagine this? Well, look at what's happened there. you got a complete reversal. Seven and three in their last ten is Oakland versus a three and seven uh, uh, ten for uh, Texas. So there it is. Texas was cooling off last week. I warned people, on not on this week's show, but on last week's five minutes of spread out, I said, watch Oakland. They're sneaking up on you, Texas. Yep, Oakland's got to win the games because Seattle, L.A., and Houston – it's all between Oakland and Texas in the yep. West. Yep. And at least Atlanta with a five-and-a-half game lead still, Mike. They have lost three in a row, and they're five-and-five five in the last ten, but so is Washington and Philadelphia, so they're pretty good right now. Mm-hmm. And NL Central, St. Louis with a three-and-a-half game lead over the Cincinnati Reds and a four-game lead over the Pittsburgh Pirates, six-and-four in their last ten. NL West, the mediocre division. Arizona Diamondbacks with a two-and-a-half game lead over both the Giants and Colorado. See, the Giants and the Rockies are playing the same exact baseball this year. That, that, that whole division is just, I mean, they're, they're a carbon copy of each other. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Carbon copy of each other. That's all that is. We have some live games going on right now. Let's we take do. a look at some score updates. Orioles defeat, well, they're beating the Red Sox right now 1-0 in the bottom of the second. The Mets losing 5 nothing to the Cubs. Uh, top of the second there, so I'm not too shocked there myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nationals up 1-0 on the Cleveland Indians. Rays 2-1 over the Royals. Cardinals 2-0 over the Marlins. 1-0 Giants over the Braves. Uh, Phillies, Mike, your Phillies play the Rockies tonight at 840. Mm-hmm. Yankees play the Angels. Mariners play the hot Oakland Athletics tonight at 10.05. Yep. Mike, suspensions. Suspensions galore from that brawl the other night. Ian Kennedy... Fined and suspended 10 games, and infielder Eric Hinsky, five games for both of their roles in Tuesday's fight. we also seen uh, a few other people get suspended, and a couple is actually getting to, uh, fined as well. Um, trying to find the names of it. That was uh, Zach Ranke from the Dodgers. Right. Dodgers outfielder and rookie Yasiel Puke. Arizona catcher Miguel Montero and Diamondbacks outfielder Gerardo Power. Mike, Power, right. here's what I got to say. Go ahead. 10 games for a pitcher. Farce, should it be? Ten starts for a pitcher. Or cut it in half, make it five, five starts, uh, do something to that effect. It's ten games, which is really two starts for a pitcher, yeah. a fair yeah. suspension. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I mean, if you're looking for something more severe. Um, I was a little bit surprised, as I pointed out uh, pre-show. Uh, you know, a lot of the headlines I was reading was, uh, you know, Major League Baseball brought down the hammer. Um, I frankly didn't think that these were hammer-like suspensions, to be honest with you, Jonathan. It didn't seem like it to me. Um, I thought they were kind of lean. Uh, I thought they were kind of fair. Uh, I, for one, uh, didn't see. Well, this is just the way I am. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have suspended anybody, to be yeah. honest with you. I would have just let it go. It's boys being boys and. Yeah, I wouldn't have suspended anybody. That was just they took care of it as they took as as as, as baseball has taken care of itself for uh, decades. Yeah. So I wouldn't have done any of it, but you know because we live in a PC world, and this thing's getting broadcast all over the freaking world, and uh, you know we're carving out every section of it for YouTube, and everybody's seeing it. You know, I guess we got to appeal to the fan bases that are clamoring that, oh my God, isn't this horrible? It was never like that years ago, Mike. We've seen this kind of thing a zillion times before. Look, baseball is so ideal at policing itself. I mean, when you think about it, Jonathan, tell me another sport that polices itself really better than baseball. Only one other that I can think of, and that's the NHL. Yeah, yeah, 
I agree. Hockey polices itself very, very well. Yeah. Well, sometimes not well enough, though, unfortunately. A lot of shoddy crap coming out of the NHL a lot of the times. Well, all right. So, yeah, all right. So, yeah, there, there are always going to be those players that are going to push the envelope, I understand. But baseball, historically, has always policed itself very well. Yeah. Do we really have to go in and hand down all kinds of suspension, seriously, uh, for what was something that we have seen in baseball going back to the 1800s? A couple of pitchers plunking a couple of guys. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. It's like, you know what? There's so much crap going on in baseball right now. And to me, they don't do enough when it comes to the whole steroid stuff. Bingo. But yet, they do this because they don't want to be embarrassed, Mike. Bingo. I I, I really... A baseball brawl on the field. That really wasn't a brawl. It was just a lot of shoving. Yeah. Nobody got punched in the face. It wasn't an OI brawl like the 86 Mets, Mike, where we saw fisticuffs left and right. And I'm talking about people getting choked, people getting punched. That was a brawl. What we saw, you know, the other night, to me, that was maybe a sixth-grade schoolyard fight at best. You got it. Jonathan, you went right to the heart of the matter. You know, And I said it it exactly, exactly, almost exactly as you just did over on our Frat House Facebook page. uh, This is a response to the fact that Major League Baseball looks weak in the eyes of fans who are sitting around saying, what the hell are you doing about PED usage? What are you doing about this problem? Here we sit, all waiting for them to make a ruling on the whole biogenesis thing, and this is what we have to deal with? Are you serious? Eight player, uh, eight people being suspended, players and coaches. Oh, yeah. Disgusting. And that's, that's what this is all about. This is about Major League Baseball making a statement. See, we're not wimps. Oh, the hell you aren't. But see, now look, now, now you got this because uh, Ronald Belsario, the Dodgers reliever, said today, no, it's not over yet, not at all. I don't think anybody thinks it's over. The Diamondbacks and Dodgers play, I believe, eight more games this year against each other, Mike. All right. And it will be what it is. <clears throat> let, let's see what happens. Yeah. Look, look, look. Well, Madden, we had the same comments, too, just a couple of days ago, saying that he doesn't think it's over. Jonathan, you know as well as I do. All right, that's fine. Let the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers play in, uh, you know, mid-September when the Diamondbacks are fighting to get into the playoffs. Do you think that they're going to screw around with this kind of crap? Hell no. 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 Not at all. Not at all. They're going to be too interested in trying to get into the playoffs. Well, so listen, the bottom, sure. line is, the bottom line is they can do all the saber-rattling they want. Yeah. When the game comes down and, and it's on the line, nobody's going to be out there messing around, you know, trying to jeopardize the team. Well, listen, to win the AL West, that's going to be NL West no matter what. I mean, he's only three. I know he's only 3-4 and four with a 5.49 ERA. Diamondbacks still need Ian Kennedy. No question about it. And I'm sure upper management, even the owners, GMs, whatever, I'm sure they all had a good conversation with Ian Kennedy saying, listen, dude, no more of that for the rest of the season. I agree with you. No more. No more. And look, make no mistake. I mean, that that makes them look bad. Oh, absolutely. And the way Kennedy did it was was kind of funny. I thought it was asinine. But kind of asinine at the same time. I thought it was great, man. I thought it was hysterical. It's the kind of baseball I miss, Mike. You know, no sooner does the umpire come out and give both teams warnings, and what does he do? He steps right up there and plunks the next one. <laughs> Baseball's been like that for 100 years, Mike. Bingo. Now do they have to change it like that? You got it, man. You got it. Let's talk a little bit of football here, Mike. We have a little over eight minutes left. Uh, NFL Hall of Famer Lombardi came out today basically saying that football will be gone in the next 10 to 20 years. Mike, you read the piece. You read his comments. 
We've spoken about it before on Fan Junkies Radio, thinking it's not going to be here probably sometime in the future. Lombardi comes out and says, in 10 to 20 years, what do you think about it? Well, you know, we, we've, uh, yeah, we have talked about it a lot. Uh, it's my biggest, uh, it's one of my biggest fears uh, when it comes to the future of football. Uh, because, uh, you know, I'm an older school guy, and obviously I do not want to see this game go anywhere. I think the vast majority of football fans would say exactly the same thing, for God's sake. We are, uh, uh, America is a football-fed uh, uh, sports uh, uh, fan. I mean, that's what we are. We, we are football-fed. That's our number one sport. Uh, there were some comments that he made in this that uh, were uh, very, very disturbing to me. Um, uh, he said, uh, people often ask me, do I miss the game? Do I wish I could play with all the money they're making today? Uh, even with all that, I'd say, heck no. Uh, the game is becoming more deadly today. Uh, he made the comment, uh, he wishes he could have been a truck driver or a cab driver, anything other than a player suffering concussions. You know, I understand that. Well, because uh, he's suffering himself. I understand that, and I understand that, and look, we have discussed that as a separate issue. We have discussed that as something that we know that the NFL needs to address. We already know that there has been research done into it. We know that there are helmet manufacturers out there that already have prototypes ready to go, and for some reason or another, the NFL is uh, hesitant to even look at them. Um, So I, I really look at it as two separate issues. It gravely disturbs me when you've got a individual like Barney, who is obviously somebody who, as you point out, Jonathan, I mean, we've talked about this before as well. When you've got a name, you're going to grab the attention of the press. And this guy grabs the attention of the press and makes comments into the effect that he did. Well, you know, yeah, he's, he's talking about friends of his own and friends that unfortunately have, have been lost due to these injuries and have taken their own lives. Um, you know, Lombardi's, uh, you know, he's a minister now, man. You know, he's a very religious person. He's speaking out, saying, you know what, if they don't do anything about it, it's not going to be here anymore. And like you said, Mike, they need to do something about it. There are people out there making these types of safety equipment, but for some reason, the NFL just won't take that safety equipment and put it into the game. Okay. Yeah, I, I hear where you're coming from, and, and, uh, I appreciate that, but I you spoke about that the other day. I don't think that he needs to be coming public with things in this very article. Again, I go right back to the same article. He told his son years ago not to play football, uh, and he has uh, been even more empathetic with his uh, grandson, who will play at uh, Barney's alma mater uh, at Jackson State this fall. Yes. When you come out and you're making public comments that I don't want my own kids or my grandkids Playing this game, now you are affecting the game. Mm. There is a better way as an alumnus, particularly as a Hall of Fame alumnus. Well, and you know what? We've seen what went down with the alum trying to speak to the NFL as well. When Gene Upshaw was, uh, you know, the head of the uh, Players Association as well. Mm-hmm. Didn't go over too well, Mike. So it doesn't really seem that the NFL is too receptive of listening to their alum about what they're concerned about. I, I but nonetheless, yeah. But I if now if the NFL is not listening, what's 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 honestly the next step? And that's them talking to the media. I I just I I for one I have a bit of an issue with it. But I mean, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure this was part of an interview that was much bigger 
it was actually part of a uh, it was actually part of a uh, of a consortium sort of thing. Yeah, it was at the Sound Mind Sound Body Camp. Correct. Yeah. And he, so he was, was there with about sports and all. And probably these are very. I mean, these comments he made were probably no longer than a two three minute conversation he had on top of everything else he was doing. Of course, they would take those out and put up. Yeah, obviously, right. Yeah. But he was on a panel alongside uh, uh, Brady Hoke, who's from uh, Michigan, and uh, Michigan State's uh, uh, Mark D'Antonio. Yeah. Um. And so he was on a panel of a number of people speaking about, I guess, about issues going on with athletes and and sporting sports events and that sort of thing. Um, I, I just think that there has to be a better way to couch things. That's just my personal opinion, Jonathan. Yeah. Rather than to be ra- waving a red flag, see, and that's what that's how I look at this. I look at this as he's waving a red flag. Um. You are you're not just anybody. You're a Hall of Famer, my friend, and so therefore I think that you, there has to be there has to be a little bit of prudence in your comments that you make publicly. If he were sitting on a football team right now, you know damn well that he'd be sanctioned. Oh, absolutely. There's no question about it. But he hasn't either. I mean, look at him. He's got all those concussions. He said he's been diagnosed with around ten of them. You know, this guy hasn't played football since 1977. I'm not taking anything away from his with whatever issues he might be suffering from as a result thereof of the game. I think we've heard worse. And I think we heard worse from current players. Bernard Pollard made comments that was almost the same exact thing. He wasn't sanctioned, Mike. Mm. So, and we spoke about Bernard Pollard's comments. Yes, yeah. And he wasn't sanctioned. We never heard nothing about it again. So... Would Len Barney be sanctioned today if he was still sitting on the Detroit Lions? I don't know. I'm just uh, probably not. Yeah, well, no. You know, I mean, whatever he's talking I, about, man. I guess he wants to see people take care of themselves, and you know, he started with his family first, and they didn't want it. They wanted to play football. So, it, listen, it is it is what it is. If anybody's going to make comments like that, let it be a Hall of Famer. Uh, here's my okay. Here's my final point on. Okay, if if all we're look, working for is the betterment of the game then that's what we should be working toward, yeah. is the betterment of the game. Not coming out and making statements that the game won't exist in the next 10 to 20 years. Well, I mean, Bernard Paul said this thing, we kind of agreed. And we both, you know, you and I both agreed that, you know what, if they keep going in the way they're going, it's probably not going to be a game around. We're gravely concerned that that could yeah. happen. Yeah. All right? Now, when, we say that, when I say that I'm gravely concerned, it's because I don't want to see the game go anywhere. Yeah. So what, what I need, here's what I need as a fan. I need people to get together and address what the problems are. Yeah. Not sitting there making making uh, statements that are incendiary, saying that you know the game won't exist in the next. That's the thing, and we've pro- and that's probably happened before, Mike. But as we saw with Major League Baseball, we saw it with National Basketball Association, even the National Hockey League, they kind of don't really reach out to the alum too much of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry, but you know what? All these guys that are injured from years ago, that you know, I, I put them on a safety committee and let them help run everything. I just question. Here's a final point. I question whether Barney's doing any help for the game. That's all I'm saying. Uh, listen, he's doing as much help for the game as Roger Goodell and the NFL is doing. So. Oh boy. <laughs> that's what I got to say on that, Michael. All right. Well, that's it for a Friday evening show, Mike. How about that? It was funny and it went fast. It went real, real fast. Uh, tomorrow, 1 p.m., Mike. 1 p.m., my friend. 1 p.m., five minutes at the frat house right here on Fan Junkies Radio. Tune in tomorrow. It's Saturday. Even give Mike a call at 347-237-5373 and knock his age a little bit. It's fun. There you go. There you go. Absolutely.
going to be a good one. So we want to thank everybody for tuning in on this special uh, hour Fan Junkies Radio on tonight. It was a great one. Uh, so for Mike McShane, I'm Jonathan Ragus, and we'll see you all tomorrow for five minutes at the front house. Catch you for Saturday. <laughs>